Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, nurses. This is Wacko from Animaniacs, and you're listening to The Riley and Kimmy Show. You know why? Because you're smart. See you later. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And welcome to this episode. It is a Flashback Friday episode. Podcast number 1,355. Flip the calendar over. It's September 1st. Right next to me is... Janet. I got one name. Janet. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. 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 Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. And right next to me is a person who's the hero of this story. You don't know how much I've missed all of you. And I promise you I'll never desert you again. You see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. That's right, and she wants to say hello to all those wonderful people out in the dark. Say hello there. Hello there. Uh, (laughs) How's it going, Kimmy? Okay. It's a flashback Friday. Yay. Yes, well, Kimmy's happy because it is a Friday. That's one of the things that makes her quite happy, correct? Oh, Friday. Yes, Kimmy loves Friday. Now, one of the things uh, we want to talk about here on this September 1st, as uh, we have flipped over to the calendar, we're, we're not stuck in August. We've, we've made it to September. Unfortunately, uh, before we sat down for this episode of the Riley and Kimmy show, it was announced that there was a passing of somebody that, well, is a, a major impact of... Uh, of Kimmy's in my own uh, time frame because of growing up, because we loved watching him or hearing him and his work on television, and that is Richard Anderson passed away. And we have mm. the obituary available right on our website. Uh, Variety reported it, I believe, first. And he is known for being in The Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman. Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. The technology. We have the capability to make the world's first bionic man. Steve Austin will be that man. Better than he was before. Better, stronger, faster. Richard Anderson, he was in probably most of the episodes of The Bionic Man, or actually Six Million Dollar Man and The Bionic Woman. Uh, He definitely was in all the episodes because of uh, the opening sequence that uh, he was part of. Mm. And he played Oscar Goldman, not in the original pilot, but uh, from when the series was picked up, where it was picked up as a series, he was part of it from then on. That makes me very sad. Um, We had the honor of meeting him. A few years back, and he was so sweet and yeah. so cute. Yes, he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, very active even uh, then when we met him. It was only a couple of years ago we met him over in Tampa. 
and he was at Fanboy Expo, and mm -hmm. uh, actually spent some time, a little extra time with Kimmy and I. Kimmy uh, was cosplaying as Jamie Summers, correct, mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. uh, The Bionic Woman, and I was uh, Steve Austin. And uh, he was reenacting some scenes with uh, Kimmy from The Bionic Woman. It was pretty cool. Yeah, he um, took my tennis racket and was swinging it around, and yeah, he's he was very sweet. You can find that uh, photo with Kimmy and Richard Anderson available right on our website. You can also find it right on our Facebook page. Probably be the uh, easiest way to find it. You can check that out. And definitely, uh, it, it was a shock to find that before we sat down here for this episode. And unfortunately, uh, Richard Anderson is one of those uh, that did not work heavily in the golden age of radio. He only did like one episode that's in my archive that I can't use because, unfortunately, it's just it, it, the people who recorded it a number of years ago... Uh, just did not do a very good job at recording it, and it's off speed entirely. It drags, what's called mm. dragging. The uh, the tape, whatever they used, was not recording properly. He did one episode that I'm aware of, of a suspense episode with William Conrad, and I wish I could play it and share it on uh, this episode of the Riley and Kimmy Show, but we can't. It's just not listenable. It's, uh, it's very tough to, to listen to, and his voice is unrecognizable because of the tape drag mm. on that. That's Richard Anderson, who passed away yesterday. That is Thursday, August 31st. The Riley and Kimmy Show, by the way, is available for your upcoming events. Now, it doesn't have to be just a pop culture event. It could be anything like a store opening, stuff like that. We are available to promote that and be part of that. Also, if you have an animal event or pet event, we have a show specifically designed just for that. It talks about and features about animals and pets. That's Animal Special. You can reach us. You can find out more right on our contact page or event page. Those are available right on our website, along with all our social media links. And what is our web address, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com RileyandKimmy.com The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? That's the question on this Flashback Friday. Shall we play a game? Now, Kimmy came to the studio. She is a little bit under the weather, and the question is, is she alert enough, or is she on that green stuff the Hulk and can't function? Can you play nerd and pop culture trivia? I'm going to try my best. Trying her best is all we can ask. You can help out, Kimmy. That's right. Shout out answers to... Uh, to whatever listening device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on right now. It could be anything because we are mobile we are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. You can take us on that smartphone, smartwatch, smart glasses, that laptop, desktop, tablet, and all other kind of smart devices. And who knows what's in the future. It could be something. It could be that little uh, home drone that you have. That's a robot, too. Yeah, it could be that. Or it could be like a Rosie the robot. Uh, maybe Rosie is playing us right now. Kind of weird, but it might be happening in the future. A time portal opens up, according to Kimmy, and those answers come flying right at her. Uh, I've never actually seen this. I think she's a little, you know, <laughs> touched. But she says it works, so you can help her out. Get more of them right than wrong, because she gets more of them right than wrong. She gets herself dinner, a dinner of her choice, anywhere in Orlando or Daytona Beach. That's Central Florida for this evening, including dessert. That's right. Or I will make her something, because I am the person who cooks here in our bat cave. Kimmy, are you alert enough? Are you ready to play? Yes. All right, just giving her a few seconds here to uh, get energized and focused. It is Friday, a flashback Friday, September 1st, 
The very first question we have for you deals with flying. I'm leaving on a jet plane. I'm looking for the decade, Kimmy. The SR-71 Blackbird sets and still holds the record for flying from New York to London. It did this in one hour and 54 minutes and 56 seconds. It was flying extremely fast. Was this the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, or 2000s? 1970s? You got it. 1974, the SR-71 Blackbird sets those records. It's on this date. The first documentary directed by this person premieres two-part question. Tell me the name of the director and give me the year within five years. Here's your audio clue. Hi. In my hometown of Flint, Michigan, General Motors closed the factories and put 30,000 people out of work. To raise their spirits, I made this movie and went off to find GM Chairman Roger Smith to get some answers. Tell me the name of the director, Kimmy. Michael Moore. That's right. Now, within five years, when did that movie come out? Um... 1988. Ooh. Even though, who knows what concoction she's on right now. If it's the green stuff, the Hulk. She did very well there. It was 1989. That movie came out. What is the name of that documentary? Roger and Me. That's right. Moving to something else that happened on this date in history, Kimmy. We're looking for the century, Kimmy, that... The first female telephone operator in the United States is hired. Was this the 1800s or the 1900s? The 1800s? Yeah, it was 1878, and her name was not Sarah. Mm. You know, uh, Andy didn't have Sarah way back then, though. Was it Mabel? That's interesting. I should. I, that's funny you're doing that. It's not Sarah. It's not Mabel. I'll give you one more guess of a name in 1878. It's a name that has resurfaced now. It's in popularity. Oh. It's resurfaced. Emily? Close. We'll accept it. It's Emma. Emma M. Nutt was the first operator. (laughs) Miss Nutt answered the phone. Or maybe Mrs. Nutt. Don't know. Mrs. Nutt? or It wasn't a Ms. Nutt back then. No Ms. Mm. No Ms. Nutt. The year is 1952, The Old Man and the Sea, the Pulitzer Prize-winning novel, what would become one, is first published on this date in 1952. Tell me who the author is. Hemingway. Whoa. How did you know that? I knew that. Really? Have you read that? Uh Uh-uh. Have you seen the movie starring Spencer Tracy? Uh Uh-uh. And you knew this? Uh Uh-huh. Wow. I didn't even have to throw bonus clue. You had a house in Key West, Florida. Excellent. Let's see how you do here. You're, you're rolling here. I think I'm going to be owing you a dinner. It looks like this. Maybe some chicken noodle soup. Well, maybe some chicken noodles. I think I can handle that, Kimmy. I will give you the year. The year is 1954. This movie is released. It stars Jimmy Stewart, Kimmy. Or at the time, he would go by James Stewart. Tell me the name of the movie and tell me the director. Here's your audio clue. I can smell trouble right here in this apartment. First you smash your leg, then you get to looking out the window, see things you shouldn't see, trouble. I can see you in court now, surrounded by a bunch of lawyers in double-breasted suits. You're pleading. You say, judge, it was only a little bit of innocent fun. 
I love my neighbors like a father. And the judge says, well, congratulations. You've just given birth to three years in Danamora. Uh, right now, I'd welcome trouble, you know. You've got a hormone deficiency. How can you tell from a thermometer? Those bathing beauties you've been watching haven't raised your temperature one degree in a month. 1954, that movie is released. Tell me the name of the movie, Kimmy. Rear Window. Ooh, you are on a roll. Now tell me, who is the director? Alfred Hitchcock. Bonus, bonus round here. This will protect you if you miss the next one. Bonus. Tell me the female star, now she was not heard there, the love interest. Grace Kelly. Oh my, you are. Are you sure you're sick? Are you just pretending? Uh, Did you come sick. You, no, she's not. Maybe it's better that way. Uh, it, wow. Jeez. Moving along, Kimmy, to your favorite category. It is music. The year is 1956. Elvis shares his success with his family. What he does is he purchases his mother a pink something. What pink item does he purchase his mother? Cadillac? <laughs> yes. You're on a roll. 1967, Boz Skaggs joins the Steve Miller Band. The year is 1967. This is impossible. We will not hold this against you. We, Even if you were not under the weather, we think this would be extremely hard for you to get or anyone except for maybe one of our music experts like up in Jacksonville, Florida. Jay, we know you would know this one. But, Kimmy, there was a movie that was released starring a certain pop star. It was his only movie that he did and he had many hits there is a well soundtrack that came from the movie nothing charted off of it but here is the song that is basically the title tell me who recorded this and you'll tell me who starred in the movie in 1967 here's your clue shape like a lovely woman stay right away you are my guitar is the fast guitar the fastest guitar alive I'm rolling on Like a rolling stone Gathering no moss I play a boss guitar can you identify that magical voice? Roy Orbison. Sharpshooter. Vagabond. Roy Orbison is traveling west with seven of his brand new songs. The wildness of the times gets into the people themselves and then anything can happen. A wagon load of trouble. And a head filled with songs makes him... Yeah, the fastest guitar alive. I doubt you've ever seen that movie, have you? Uh, no. That stars Roy Orbison, his only movie with Sheb Wooley. It was released on this date in history. Kimmy, it was on this date. The last episode of this TV show airs. Identify the TV show. I Dream of Genie. That's correct. Now, the question we have for you, it aired its last time on this date, September 1st, 1970. Tell us... What year it premiered, September 18th, what year did it make its premiere? We'll give you a two-year plus or minus. 1966. Very good. 1965, I Dream of Genie was seen for the first time September 18th, ended September 1st, 1970. Did you love that show all the way through? I liked it. Okay. Compare it to Bewitched. Which one did you like more? Um, 
Hmm. It's hard to say. Okay. Watched them both yeah. pretty much equal. Uh-huh. And that's because of syndication. You weren't watching them when they were first on. Kimmy, right. Kimmy wasn't on planet Earth when they were first on. But Kimmy being really smart and somehow maybe even smarter now that she's under the weather. It's amazing here. Let's just see how well she does with this one. 1972. This American beat Russia's Boris Spassky to become world chess champion. His name would be associated with chess for years and years. The chess match took place in Iceland. He was extremely young when he won. Can you tell me his name? Bobby Knight. That's close. Knight being part of uh, chess. I get it. And Bobby Knight being part of basketball, you would get a little confused there. It's Bobby Fisher. Fisher. But we'll, we'll, I think we'll give you a pass. Judges say yes. You're a little under the weather. You, you, you're close enough. The year is 1972. This person releases this song in the United Kingdom. The song was not released in the United States until 1976. Identify the recording artist. <laughs> John, I'm Only Dancing is the name of the song. Tell me who recorded it, Kimmy. In what year? 1972. It was released in Britain on this date, and then the United States in 1976. Mm. The Cure? No, that is David Bowie. David Bowie. The year is 1975. This TV show goes off the air. Identify the TV show. What is it? Some western. It's a what? Is it a western? Yes, it's a western, Kimmy. What is the name of that western? Um, I don't know. 1975, it goes off the air. It's been on for a long time, since the 1950s. Um, Big Valley? No. It's been on since the 1950s. Gunsmoke? Gunsmoke, starring James Arness as Matt Dillon. Yes, Kimmy sort of got it there. We're giving that as a negative, though. Uh, she guessed Death Valley there first. The big, was, what? big Valley. Well, whatever, Death Valley, Big Valley. Wasn't, oh, boy. Okay, moving back to music. Chance for you to redeem yourself, my sick one. The year is 1977. This band signs its first major record company contract. And because of that deal, here is something that was released in 1978. It reaches number two in the United Kingdom, but is never, it, I mean, it never charts in the United States. But this group has a very unique sound. You are a big fan of this group. See if you can identify who it is. Here is your clue. Is Denise 1978. Now, the question for Kimmy is Do you need another clue from the album, the initial album, or do you feel confident? Do you know who this is? That sounds like Blondie. It is Blondie 1977, signed their first major record company contract. The year is 1977. This group releases their debut single. 
Now, the lead singer would go off on his own and would be huge in the 1980s. See if you can identify who this is. It would not chart in the United States. It would chart in Britain at number 36. Trying to forget your generation. Nineteen seventy-seven. That is released. Can you identify who recorded your generation? Billy Idol. I will accept that because he is the lead singer for this group. It's Generation X. That's the group. But you actually were able to hear Billy Idol. That will will accept that. Nineteen seventy-eight. This group releases the album Pieces of Eight. A single from it reaches number sixteen on the Billboard Hot One Hundred. Identify the group. <laughs> Can you identify who that is? Sticks. That's right. With Renegade, which was the hit from the album, it reached number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1979. The year is 1978. The last broadcast, the first run, that is, it would be brought back. The first run of Columbo is aired. The last broadcast. What network aired Columbo first? NBC. The following program is brought to you in living color on NBC. The year is 1978. The horror film Dawn of the Dead. Written and directed by whom premieres, Kimmy? That is Dawn of the Dead. George Romero? That's correct, George Romero. Have you ever seen that movie? No. Ooh. you never seen that one at all? No. You're kidding me. You, you haven't seen the, the shopping mall thing and none of you? Oh, wow. Mm-mm. The year is 1979. The United States Pioneer 11 becomes the first spacecraft to visit Saturn. Give me the decade, Kimmy. The Titanic was found by Dr. Robert Ballard in a joint U.S. and French expedition. Now, the wreck site is located 963 miles northeast of New York and 453 miles southeast of Newfoundland coast. What decade? Was it the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, or 1990s? 1980s? 1985. 1980s, this person releases Press to Play album, and he, well, had some singles that he tried to get some airplay with. This is the only one that reached the United States Airplay, number 21, for eight weeks on the Billboard Hot 100. Identify who it is. I love you very, very, very much. And I really am relying on your touch. Can you tell me who had press as a single? 
I don't know that song, but it sounds like Paul McCartney. That is Paul McCartney from the Press to Play album. The year is 1998. Mark McGuire of what team hits his 56th and 57th home runs to set a new National League record, Kimmy? What team is he playing for? The Phillies. He is playing for the St. Louis Cardinals. Give me the year within five years. J.K. Rowling's first book, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, is released in the United States. It's the first in the series. What year within five years? 1996. You get it. Within the five years, it was 1998. (music) Moving to celebrities and notables, birthdays that is. Tell me what this person is known for, Kimmy. He is an author. His name is Edgar Rice Burroughs, born 1875. What is he known for writing? Tarzan. And also John Carter of Mars, which if you read the original John Carter Mars material, you'll see how it was an influence on Star Wars and Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers and other pieces of science fiction. Unfortunately, the John Carter Mars film that they tried a few years ago just did not did not do it. That's because a lot of people compared it to previous films and things, but it was actually the grandfather of all those things. Next person born on this date, Don Wilson, born 1900, died 1982 at the age of 81. He was the announcer, actor. He played the foil to Jack Benny on the Jack Benny Show. Next person, actor, born on this date, Richard Farnsworth, born 1920, died 2000 at the age of 80. He starred in a 1999 film, for which he received the nomination for the Academy Award for Best Actor. Two-part question, we'll accept just one answer. Well, we'll accept, if you can answer one thing, you win here. Tell me either who directed the movie or tell me the name of the movie. It's about a lawnmower and a very old man. Thanks to you boys, I'm going to get this rig back on the road. I've drove it all the way across Iowa, and I'm hoping it holds on till I get to Wisconsin. My brother lives there. I haven't seen him in 10 years. There's no one knows your life better than a brother that's near your age. He knows who you are and what you are better than anyone on earth. My brother and I said some unforgivable things the last time we met, but I'm trying to put that behind me. And this trip is a hard swallow of my pride. I just hope I'm not too late. Jimmy, do you remember seeing that movie in the theaters? Mm-hmm. I think we drove like a hundred and some miles to see it. It was only one theater that was running it. I know this director had another film that we literally drove 200 miles to see it mm-hmm. because there was nothing, even in Chicagoland, Milwaukee, that was running it. It was far away that ran it. Uh-huh. Tell me the name of the director that Richard Farnsworth was, uh, well, in a movie that was, well, he got nominated for an Academy Award. David Lynch. And bonus. I mean, this is almost impossible trivia. Can you tell me the name of that lawnmower movie? I, mm, no. Yeah, it was called The Straight Story. Mm. Next person. Born on this date, 1922. She played Lily... The wife of Herman on what TV show? The Munsters. And tell me her name, Kimmy. Who played Yvonne Lily? DiCarlo. Yes, that's right. Born on this date, 1922, died 2007, and she was actually older than Al Lewis. Most people don't realize that. Uh, you know, uh, he just—he's one of those individuals who looked a lot older than he was. 
and she passed away, as I said, in 2007. She was on The Munsters from 1964 to 1966. Next actor, known for this TV show, Kimmy. His name is George Maris. He's celebrating his 89th birthday today. He played Buzz, Buzz Murdoch, on the first three seasons of this TV show. What's the name of the TV show? Route 66. That's right. Who did he co-star with? Who was the person that drove the Cor- Martin Milner. Yeah, Martin Milner drove the Corvette. And because of his uh, driving skills, Jack Webb hired him for Adam-12 mm-hmm. to play Pete Malloy. That's that's no joke there. Mm-hmm. Next individual you know because of all the, the TV commercials that ran for years, starting in the 70s, the mid to late 70s, and into the 80s, into the 90s. This person was one of those that had albums that they would sell on TV. He was born on this date in 1931, actually became a national success because he won on the gong show. Tell me who it is. Here's a song he had. It charted his highest, matter of fact, it charted number 36 on the country charts in 1982. Real fat news travel like a wildfire. Good news travel slow. And they call me old wildfire. Everywhere I go, Lord, I'm bad news. Everybody knows. Always getting in trouble And leaving little girls that hate to see me go Can you tell me who that is? Boxcar Willie. That's scary. Do you have Boxcar Willie on your MP3 player? Uh-uh. Do you have any nope. Boxcar Willie? No. Nope. But you remember those commercials, don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah, he was known as the singing hobo. By the way, bad news is a ringtone for one of my friends. Mm. Yes, and you know who that is. Yes, he, you know, yeah, yeah. One of the most hated individuals I ever, you know, I get along with him fine, but man, it's like pitchforks and, and torches. The villagers are always after him. Next person, Kimmy, born on this date, 1933. Singer, songwriter. He actually charted on well, different charts. He, he Pop charts and country. he become known as a huge country artist. But before, he was really big in pop charts, in the pop world. Matter of fact, the movie Bye Bye Birdie, starring Dick Van Dyke, is actually based on him and Elvis. It's a cross between the birdie is a play on his name, this person's name. See if you can identify who it is. Here's his number one hit from 1970 on the country charts. Hello, darling. Nice to see you. It's been a long time. You're just as lovely as you used to be. It's not Elmer Fudd there. You might right there where he goes in that part there. Some people go, that's so like him. No, it's not. Actually, he's one of the nicest individuals I ever had the pleasure of meeting backstage. Can you tell me who that is? Kenny Rogers? No, it's Conway Twitty. Ah. They used to sell his stuff too on TV a lot. Hello, Darlin, 1970, number one. Born on this date, 1933. Died 1993 at the age of 59. One of the uh, big pleasures I had, I was an operations manager of a AM FM radio station, our AM station. The morning host was scared to meet Conway Twitty and take people backstage. So I took the listeners, because I did the mornings on the FM, took the listeners backstage to meet Conway Twitty. And he came he came back with me, and he had to go to the bathroom afterwards and change, change some clothes. Mm. After he, he, he was that nervous. Not Conway. No, not Conway. Conway was a pleasure. We actually also met the, the possum, the old possum. That's uh, George Jones backstage, too. Ah. And the person I was with. Helping him out because he, he, I, I didn't know he was that big of a fan. Uh, I was like, I think he's going to pass out on me. Moving along here, Kimmy, this person, actress, comedian, having a birthday. Tell me how old she is within five once you identify who she is. One rainy dingy. <laughs> <laughs> a great 
Hello. Have I reached the party to whom I am speaking? Is, is this General Motors? Hi, General. How's everything at Pentagon? So tell me, how's Mrs. Motors? Oh, I, I beg your pardon. You, you are the president of the General Motors. Of Motown fame? Of course. Of course, now I recall General Motors. That's a switch, isn't it? Somebody recalling General Motors? Can you tell me who that is, Kimmy? Lily Tomlin. No, you are correct, but tell me how old Lily Tomlin is within five years. Eighty-five. Let me do the math here. Five, carry. No, you, you miss it. She is 78 today. Next individual recording artist had a number one hit in 1968. He is 73 years old today. See if you can identify who he is. Can you tell me who that is? I can't. That's Archie Bell. He was with Archie Bell and the Drells. He is 73 today. Next person, well, didn't start out as the as solo, ended up being marketed solo, but originally was the lead singer of a certain group. Here's a sample of her. Tell me who she is. She's having a birthday today. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Who is that? Gloria Estefan. And how old is she within five? Uh, 56. She is 60 today. I see dead people. It is Notable Deaths, 1981. Actress Anne Harding died at the age of 79. American theater, motion picture, radio, and television actress. 2008, Don LaFontaine passes away. I don't expect you to remember or know Don by name, but you do know his voice, Kimmy. He died six days after his 68th birthday. An American voice actor who recorded more than 5,000 movie trailers and hundreds of thousands of other things. He became identified with the phrase, in a world. In a world, in the year 2017. In a time of tradition. In a city where anything can happen. In a war that isn't his. Every day in New York City. On the Miami Police Force. In the deep south. From the sewers of Gotham. From the rooftops of Gotham. Above Gotham. Within this skyscraper high above the city. In a town driven by competition. In a world that's powered by violence. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. On New Year's Eve of the last decade of the 20th century. Detectives Mike Lowry and Marcus Burnett. Special Agent John Kruger. Harry Tasker. And New York Cop John McLean. They're not just partners. They were three cops who had nothing in common. They are America's first line of defense. But no matter how much you love them, all that stands between a city and a disaster is a man, a reluctant soldier, an ex-con, the perfect enemy. They found him near a plane crash. What if you couldn't remember? The most deadly submarine ever built. Secrets have a way of coming back to haunt you. When ghosts start arriving by the boatload, it was the perfect crime. They thought they had it all figured out. But there was one thing they didn't plan on. Now. 
They're about to collide one bullet at a time. They can't change course, but he doesn't have a choice. His loyalty is to a child fighting for everything he holds dear. He's going to have to save her. The only thing more dangerous than what he knows is the end of a man's journey. He's back for good, for justice, for freedom, for family, for keeps. The passion is real. They don't follow the rules. They make them. This summer, this fall, this Thanksgiving, but this Christmas, this holiday season, Academy Award winner Kevin Spacey, Antonio Banderas, Tom Hanks, Kim Basinger, Mel Gibson, Brad Pitt, Bruce Willis, Sean Connery, Robin Williams, Denzel Washington, Joe Pesci, Samuel L. Jackson, Ed Harris. I think you remember Don LaFontaine, don't mm, you, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Yes. 2008, he passed away. Next individual, Kimmy, 2015, passed away at the age of 84. An actor best known for his roles in That Darn Cat. He starred in 1965, starred in The Million Dollar Duck in 1971, and also The Love Bug in 68. Who is he? Did you see this thing take off? One of your showboat tricks, Mr. Douglas. I tell you, I had nothing to do with it. Hey, we were turning. Will you stop the car, please? I'm trying. Look. It's just like I told you, this thing's starting to act up again. Can you identify who that is? Oh, I can't. You can see him, can't you, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's Dean Jones, who passed away on this date at the age of 84. I think he did a fantastic job considering, uh, well, a little bit under the weather. Matter of fact, he might have done better uh, being this way than you are sometimes. Yeah. Otherwise, it's kind of interesting. Anyhow, we're going to go back in time right now and honor something we talked about on Trivia with the Golden Age of Radio. Radio was It's O'Reilly and Kimmy Show. Anytime we go back in time to the Golden Age Radio, we take that opportunity. And we talked about actress Anne Harding passing away on this date. She died at the age of 79. She was in a ton of things. And we have two examples of her work in the Golden Age of Radio. The first one is Mother of Freedom from 1946, followed by Madam X from 1937 that stars, well, with her, Jimmy Stewart. Please be forgiving, especially of Madam X. Well, the reason is it's it's quite old, and when they recorded it in 1937, it was not it was really not done for archive purposes, and the technology was not that great. Excellent examples of the golden age of radio, kicking it off with Mother of Freedom from 1946. Here's Ann Harding on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Tonight we present Anne Harding as Anna Zenger in Mother of Freedom on the DuPont Cavalcade of America. Anna Zenger. Anna Zenger. Are are you Anna Zenger? I'm a writer. Are you Anna Zenger? Yes, I am she. But why do you call? Look, this room is filled with books and documents with hundreds of references to John Peter Zenger, each claiming him as one of the men most responsible for freedom of the press in these United States. But I think your husband was a fraud. Why do you say that? Because I don't believe he wrote those things for which he was imprisoned. Against the governor, against the 
What is the truth, Anna Zenger? Why did you marry John Zenger? Surely you must have had a better chance than he offered you. Francis Harrison. You know him? Yes. What about him, Anna Sanger? Tell me about him first. I knew him better than anyone in New York. He began by pretending to call on my father. Then he no longer cared to offer a pretense. He called often when my father was away. Mr. Harrison. <laughs> my name is Francis, my dear Anna. Yes, I know. Well, then won't you call me Francis? If you wish. Anna, I'm glad we are alone. Really? You flatter me, Francis. <laughs> oh, no. I can flatter a woman. But with you, I shall be honest. Oh, that, that really is flattery. Oh, no, please, my dear. I didn't come here to trade words and phrases with you. Leave those things to the stupid and silly women of the governor's palace. Yes, leave them. What do you want to say, Francis? Ah, that's better, Anna. You're a lovely woman, my dear. And charming. Oh, no, 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 that's not flattery. I've been watching you for weeks now. And? Uh, you know my position in this colony. Oh, yes, very well. You know the governor is, uh, shall we say, dependent upon me for decisions. Decisions, my dear Anna, which affect almost everyone. Such a frank confession, sir, cannot be made for idle chatter. What are you trying to say? Ah. I propose we join forces, Anna. You and I. Intelligence with beauty and power. An unbeatable combination. What do you say? Are you asking me to be your wife, Francis? Oh, wife? Oh, what makes you think that? Perhaps I'm stupid enough to assume it. Oh, oh, come, Anna. You're too clever for that. I'm sorry, Francis. I don't understand. Well, if you choose to pretend, I shall be annoyed with you. It's hardly that, sir. I merely want an explanation. But surely you must see that were I to be married, my influence upon the wives of the merchants would be ruined. Oh, they prefer Francis Harrison, the gay debonair cavalier, to Francis Harrison, the staid husband. Mr. Harrison, it was charming of you to call upon me. Are you uh, dismissing me? I am. You mean you're refusing my offer? I am refusing the degradation of it. I have made you a very generous offer, one which half the ladies of New York would accept. Then I suggest you approach them. Good day, Mr. Harrison. Oh, very well, my dear Anna. I shall wait for you to come to me. John Wenger, don't try to find the words. What do you want to tell me? Anna... Uh, Look at me. What am I? A man, John. Uh, I mean, what else, Anna? Well, what else could you be? Everything. Look at my hands. Rough, callous, stained with printer's ink. Listen to me when I speak, Anna. I, I cannot even make the words come right. I think, yes, but that is all. The best printer in New York. And you made me that. It was you who gave me hope. You, you taught me. Well, then why aren't you happy? But I am, Anna. I am, and that is my trouble. I like this happiness. It is something I want more and more of, but it is not honest that I should take and not repay. 
What can I give for what I take? You can take no more than I have to give, John. I have no culture. Now look at me, John. The things you call culture come from without. Those are things that are put on a man like a coat. And they can become threadbare and useless. John, the things you have to give are deep inside you. I want them, John. I want them. You... You love me, Anna? Yes. And you would marry me? I will marry you, John, because I love you. There, John, the children are asleep. Now, tell me what's happened today. Are you tired? Everyone is tired, Anna. Men without hope walk in a sleep. Then why don't they wake up? If the new governor makes life such a burden, why don't they rebel? Well, they can't be sure. I heard today a shameful story. How the governor tried to steal an election in Westchester and almost defeated one of the few honest men left who dared to oppose him. Yet the only newspaper we have will not say anything about it. Well, yet you say that Bradford, who owns the paper, is not dishonest himself. Oh, he is old. Besides, when he had a paper in Philadelphia, he, he printed the truth once and they arrested him for, for, for libel. So now all he prints is what the governor approves. Hmm, how does the governor find time to write as much as that? And that's something else the people don't know. It isn't the governor. It's Francis Harrison who writes those things. Francis Harrison? Why, does that surprise you? If you had ever met Harrison, you would suspect it as much as I do. John, the colony will never know the truth until we have another newspaper. Anna, I, I know what you're going to say. You, you've said it a thousand times. I, I ask you to stop. I cannot run a newspaper. I agree it would be a wonderful thing, but I am only a printer. I could not write well enough. You know that. Well, you could find others. Well, how could I pay them? Oh, give men an opportunity to write the truth. They'll consider it a responsibility. Well, I'd do it gladly for nothing. Anna, you are not a man. Women don't fight with print. A lady doesn't fight at all. And you're my lady. Oh, John, no one would know. It would be in your name. Anna, I'm too tired to talk about it. Oh, John, please listen to me for the sake of these people, for the sake of the truth. I would fight for the truth, but I am no writer. I'll help you. The colony needs it. John, we must do it. Ah, good morning, Your Excellency. May I break into our most worthy governor's thoughts of state? Oh, Harrison, Harrison. Yes, please come in. <laughs> Thank you. Lovely morning, isn't it, Your Excellency? <laughs> uh, yes, and you're looking well, Francis. After the party last night. <laughs> Thank you, Your Excellency. Oh, what a man you are, Harrison. The ladies were swooning, as usual. Oh, oh the governor is kind to me. <laughs> so are the ladies. <laughs> oh, by the by, I, uh, I've brought something for you. Yeah? What? Uh, this. The journal. That thing again. Even more impudent than the last edition, Governor. Uh, read it. I will not. 
Like all the rest of those articles, eh? Exactly, Your Excellency. Confound it, Harrison. I wanted to stop it when it began. Why did you persuade me not to? Oh, but, Your Excellency, one cannot choke off a voice so abruptly without arousing suspicion. Uh, uh, had we forced the general to stop immediately, the people would have believed what it printed. That's nonsense. They read it anyway. And every time this filthy thing comes out, it's worse. Mm. Have you read the articles carefully? Why do you ask that? Oh, uh, oh, nothing, nothing. We've got to do something. Get me a warrant. We'll have this John Zenger in a cell before the day is over. Oh, no, 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 Your Excellency. Huh? What's the matter with you? Have you lost your senses? No, not at all, Your Excellency. But uh, arresting John Zenger now would never do. It would cause more discussion. Then what? Well, uh, uh, he is married. What's that got to do with it? Your Excellency, we persuaded wives before to... Uh, uh, shall we say, persuade their husbands. Mm, you're a fox, Harrison. <laughs> Thank you. And they tell me John Zenger's wife is uh, very lovely. <laughs> then the task should not be too odious for your taste, eh, Harrison? Oh, <laughs> no, not at all, Your Excellency. Not at all. <laughs> Mr. Harrison, why you've come to my house when my husband is not here? So, you are the beautiful Anna I used to know. I've often wondered what became of you. I think it was quite uncalled for to sneak in here in disguise. My dear Anna, or Mrs. Zenger, if you prefer, what would the people in this neighborhood say if Francis Harrison were recognized making a call? You see how discreet I am? I wouldn't have your neighbors make gossip. Oh, I think the most they would say is that you may have come from the governor's palace to try to persuade my husband to change his newspaper. Ah, there is only one error in that, Anna. I am going to try to persuade you to change it. And how will you do that? The governor is very upset, Anna. He really is quite disturbed. Why, there's even talk of warrants, arrests, and jail. Possibly even worse. Oh, yes, there actually is. Then I know you have suggested these things to the governor. It would seem a shame to have a good husband put away in a jail. Oh, not that I should object. Perhaps then we could have a cup of tea as we used to. Please go. If my husband knew of this... How uh, much does your husband know, Anna? What do you mean? Uh, does he know that you and I used to be very friendly? Could you really say that? Mm. The question in your mind right now is how many people would believe it. And you know quite a number would. I have that kind of reputation. If you don't leave this... Oh, I shall go. I'm not suggesting that you necessarily tell your husband to change the paper. Because, Anna, I, uh, I have a very good suspicion that John Zenger doesn't write those things that annoy the governor the most. No, I, I, I think it must be someone else. Yes, now that I see her expression, I know I am right. So whoever that man is, Anna, he is the man for you to warn. And um, if I don't warn him? Then it will be jail for your husband. Good day, Mrs. Zenger. You are listening to Anne Harding as Anna Zenger in Mother of Freedom on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. As the second part of our story opens, Francis Harrison has carried out his threat to imprison John Zenger for articles exposing the corrupt government in the province of New York. What he does not know is that Anna Zenger is the real author. And now, she visits her husband in prison. Come right along, Mrs. Zenger. We have a surprise for you. We've moved your husband to a nice new cell. 
It's not quite so big, but it'll hold him. There we are. Anna. John. John, what's happened to you? He tried to break out of our jail. And we had been just as nice to him. Will as... you please leave and let me talk to my husband? Yes, I'll go. But don't you worry, Mrs. Zenga. Your husband won't run away. John, what happened? Anna. Five months in this stinking jail. I can't stand it. I know, John, but we'll get help somehow. The people are getting more and more angry. Oh, I don't believe it. You say the parson won't even let you teach Sunday school anymore. They think a man who wants freedom to write and talk is a criminal. Oh, it's all my fault. Let me tell them what they want to know. Let me tell them I wrote those articles. I will never do that, I've told you. Do you think it would make me happier to have you here in my place? Well, but what can we do? We can't fight the manor. If we could, I would fight to my last breath. But they've taught me I can't fight in jail. You'll have to help, Anna. Well, what can I do? Tell me. If I made a promise to take you and the children and leave this colony forever, Anna, they might let me go. But, John, that's what they want. They'd win. Oh, they have won. There's nothing I can do. Oh, not yet. Maybe the lawyers would find a way to help us. The lawyers can do nothing. The governor will take care of any lawyer who goes against him. He's fixed it that way before. Anna, I've asked you to talk to them. Promise me you will. I can't stay here. I'm dying. All right, John. All right. I'll try to see the governor. Oh, he won't do anything unless Francis Harrison tells him to. I want you to see Harrison. Harrison? Yes, Anna. Oh, no, John, no. Anna, you promise. John, I'd do anything for you, but don't make me ask Harrison. Can you think of any other way? No. No, I can't. I will see Francis Harrison. Have some wine, Anna? Mr. Harrison, please let me finish what I came here to tell you. Mm. My dear Mrs. Zenger, some months ago I came to you as a friend and warned you that your stubborn husband could go to jail. You repulsed my friendship. Now you've come to ask a favor. Have you decided what I am to receive in return? Is it true that you cannot do a kindness without payment? Not when I have to beg a woman's favors. I'm not accustomed to that. And I have nothing to give you. Then you have nothing to receive. Your husband will stay where he is. I asked for your help and you refused. When I came here, I had hoped that you would help. Now I'm glad you haven't. What? Yes, I'm glad. If you had, my husband and I would have left the colony. We would have lost the fight we started and things would be as they were before. Oh, yes, Mr. Harrison. I'm glad you refused. Because now we will go on fighting you and your corruption. Mrs. Zenger, back again. This ain't such a bad jail when you get used to it now, is it? Please open the door and let me speak to my husband. Anna, I've been waiting. Have you seen him? What does he say? Well, let me speak to you alone. All right. Samson Duff, get out of here and leave us alone. I've been meaning to ask you. Why don't Mrs. Zenger move into the jail here with you, huh? <laughs> 
It's going to be your home a long time to come. Anna, why do you look so sad? Did Harrison refuse? Yes, John, he refused. Oh, I should have known better than to ask his mercy. But listen, John, perhaps there's another way. A lawyer. There is no lawyer who will defend me. It's too hopeless. Oh, wait, John, I've thought of something. Now, once I heard my father tell how years ago he heard a lawyer argue a case like yours, John, libel. It was in Philadelphia. But what help is that now? Well, listen, my father said it was brilliant. No one had ever heard such an argument before. That if you could prove what a man said was true, it couldn't be called libel. And did he win the case, Anna? No, but... Then what use is it to us? Oh, John, don't you see? That was years ago. Now, perhaps today people can be made to think as he did then. Uh, his name, what was it? Andrew Hamilton. The most famous lawyer in the colonies. Oh, he would never come here. He's an old, old man. He, he wouldn't come to New York for me, a poor printer. Oh, I'll write to him, John. I'll write to him in your name and pray. My dear Mr. Hamilton, you have not heard of me. I am a poor printer who published the New York Weekly Journal until five months ago when I was put in jail, charged with false, malicious... My dear Mr. Zenger, I am complimented that you invite me to defend you against the charges with which I am more or less familiar, and I shall gladly undertake to represent you in court. Have no concern about my fee in this case. What will he say, Anna? What can he say? What he says to the jury, John, will decide the freedom of this land. Mr. Hamilton, are you prepared to make your address to the jury? I am, sir. Then you may proceed. I thank you, sir. Gentlemen of the jury, there is a duty before you today, and that is to put a stop to this persecution of those who would speak the truth by those who would conceal it. We must all do our duty, and like wise men who value our freedom, use our utmost care to support liberty of expression in the printed word. By an impartial and incorrupt verdict, you will lay a noble foundation for securing to ourselves our posterity, and our neighbors, that to which nature and the laws of our country have given us a right. The liberty both of exposing and opposing arbitrary power in these parts of the world through our right to speak and write the truth. <laughs> Mr. Hamilton, I've told my husband you're here, and he's very excited. Oh, Mr. Hamilton. Oh, God bless you for calling. How are you, Mr. Zinger? The doctor says he will soon be out of bed. I read again each day your address to the jury, Mr. Hamilton. It gives me strength to think about it and to know that our fight has been won. And I receive strength when I read what you so kindly sent to me. Well, what was that? Your letter, Mrs. Zinger. My letter? 
Not the one you wrote for me to send to Mr. Hamilton, Anna, but a letter you wrote to me in prison. Some words that kept me alive. I made a scroll of that letter, three copies. Here is one I've been waiting to give to you. Oh, John. How beautiful. And you gave one to Mr. Hamilton? Yes, and the third was for a friend of mine. A gentleman who used to be a printer, uh, like your husband. You told me about him. Uh, what was his name? Franklin. Benjamin Franklin. And did you give him the letter? I did. And when I told him your story, sir, and when I told him your secret of how Mrs. Zenger had written the articles in your newspaper which brought about this trial, Mr. Franklin said that posterity should bestow upon Anna Zenger a title of three words. Mother of Freedom. Oh, thank you. I am a happy woman. Is 1918. It's late at night, and in the richly furnished library of his home in New York City, Alan Cartwright paces the floor anxiously, waiting for news of his four-year-old son, who tosses feverishly on a sickbed upstairs. As the door to the library opens, Cartwright crushes out a cigarette with nervous fingers and turns quickly to greet the doctor. How is he? Is there any change? He's much better, Alan. You mean... But he'll, he'll live. The crisis is over. His temperature has started to drop already. Oh, thank God. He'll be romping all over the house in a few days. Youngsters come back fast. All he needs is rest and quiet. If anything happens to Raymond, he's all I have left. Nothing's going to happen to him. Now pull yourself together, Alan. I've left a prescription with the nurse. And something for you, too. For me? <laughs> I don't need anything. I'm as fit as a fiddle. Your nerves are raw, Alan. You've been working too hard. And now, with this, you need a rest yourself, man. A rest? How can I rest? I have a law practice to attend to. Your law practice doesn't demand that you kill yourself, does it? Take things easy. You've done nothing but work all your life. It's the only thing you know. It's the only thing worth knowing. And one thing more, Alan. I don't like to mention this, but... I'm your physician and your friend. Well? Jacqueline has been gone for two years now. She's not coming back. You've got to begin to accept that fact. You think that's what's got me down? Well, I... Well, it hasn't. I've no intention of ever allowing her to come back. She's been calling here all day. Jacqueline? She heard Raymond was sick. Wanted to see him. You're going to let her, of course. No. But Alan, she's his mother. She left him and she left me. Life wasn't gay enough for her here. Well, very well then. Gonna make her own life. Make it or wreck it. She's young, Alan. Much younger than you. Has it ever occurred to you that uh, perhaps you were to blame too? For what? You were so absorbed in your work. You had so little time for her. It wasn't gaiety Jacqueline wanted. It was companionship. Love. She... She left Raymond. 
Her own baby. There's nothing more to be said about it. Sorry, Alan. When are you coming to see Raymond again? I'll drop in later on my way from the hospital. Good night, old man. Good night. Please. Oh. Good evening, ma'am. Good evening, Bessie. Is, is Mr. Cartwright in? Why, yes, ma'am. Uh, that is, I'm not sure, ma'am. How is Raymond? I'm sorry, Mrs. Cartwright, but, but Mr. Cartwright said... That... Did he leave orders that I was not to be admitted, Bessie? Is that the trouble? Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. Is that the doctor back again, Bessie? Let him in. Don't give him... Uh... Oh. Good evening, Alan. You may go, Bessie. Close the door. Yes, sir. Well? I've come to see Raymond. How is he, Alan? I told you not to come here. Oh, please. How is Raymond? Is he any better? The danger is over. Oh. Oh, may I see him, please? No. All I want to do is open the door and look at him. He mustn't be disturbed. I won't disturb him. I'm sorry. But I'm his mother, Alan. I have a right to see him. You forfeited that right when you left him two years ago. Uh, I'm sorry, Jacqueline. I didn't leave him, Alan. I left you. I had to. It was a mistake, I admit it. A great mistake. But I only meant it to be for a little while. Just, just time enough to think things over. Why didn't you answer my letters, Alan? I sent you money. Why didn't you answer my letters? I was busy. You were always busy, weren't you, Alan? That was always the trouble. I reached out for you again and again. I could never find you. You knew what you wanted, Jacqueline. Now, now you've got it. You left Raymond and you left me. And there's no returning. It's too late for that. Very well. You want a divorce, Alan? No. No? But you... Oh, I see. It isn't a good thing for a man to be divorced if he wants to be a judge. You'd sacrifice your whole life for that, and mine too, wouldn't you? It's my career, not yours. I'm sorry, but you'll have to leave now. I've come here to beg your forgiveness, to ask you for one glimpse of my own baby. Too much excitement. I won't excite Raymond. I love him. But you won't let me near him. Clients, courts, the judge's robes. That's what your life is and all it will ever be. You don't know what love means. Get out. Opinions, decisions. Human beings aren't bound in leather and filed with your law books. They live. They make mistakes. They forgive and love and keep on living. Oh, please, Alan, let me see him. Let me see my baby. No, Jacqueline. You say I'm hard. Well, perhaps I am. But it's for his good, too. I don't uh, trust you. You've made me too unhappy. You've ruined my life. You're not going to have a chance to ruin his. I should hate you for this, Alan, but I can't. I can't feel anything at all for you, except pity. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what it means. But someday you will. And you'll never forgive yourself, Alan. Never. Now light the candles on the cake, Betsy. Hurry up. We'll surprise him. Ten candles. Ten years old today. It seems only yesterday he was a baby, Mr. Potter. 
Letter from Raymond Allen? Yes, and listen to this. When my sophomore year's over, I'm planning to switch to pre-law. <laughs> pre-law, Perry, well, what do you think of that? And it is my privilege this day to award them their diplomas. May they practice their profession in uprightness and in honor. Will the men step forward, please? Albert Ainsworth, John Butler, Howard Bridges, Raymond Cartwright, James Carvel, Gerald Crandall. Albert Ainsworth, John Butler, Howard Bridges, Raymond Cartwright. There you are, Dad. My name in the newspaper. <laughs> I see it, son. Uh, yeah, you can just about see it, yes. Yeah. Pretty small print, isn't it? Oh, it'll be larger someday. No, not as large as yours, I'll bet. But did you see that story on the record this morning? Alan Cartwright sworn into the state Supreme Court. Well, I got a real kick out of that. Yeah, so did I. You've been working for it long enough. All my life, son. Now it's here. Well, you must feel pretty good. Yes. Yes, I, I suppose I do. Well, I don't see you throwing any hats into the air or anything. You know, if I ever just get one case, I'll be a success, you know. But success isn't everything, son. You'll find that out as you get older. There's more to life for, much more. Well, such as what? Well, a home, friendship, family, a clear conscience. Well, you have those, Dad? Mm, I have. Most of them. You've been my family, Raymond. I guess I haven't been much help. I might have been different if Mother had lived. Uh, what was she like, Dad? I thought we were never to mention your mother's name. Oh, I, I know. I promised, but why not? It was such a long time ago, and everyone likes to know something about his mother. What she looked like, where she came from, what she did and said. You've never even told me her name. She, uh, she died when you were four. You were ill at the time. Where is she buried? What? Where is Mother buried? Oh, oh, a long way from here, Raymond. I'll take you there someday. What was her name, Dad? Jacqueline. Jacqueline. That's a beautiful name. She must have been beautiful. John Butler, Howard Bridges, Raymond Cartwright. Raymond Cartwright. Who is it? Come on, open up. Just a minute. Oh, come in, Tony. Hey, you're getting kind of exclusive, ain't you, Jackie? Locking your door now, huh? I have a right to privacy in my own dressing room. Sure, but not when the customers are waiting for a number. Come on. I'll be ready in a minute. What have you been doing? Reading the newspapers. Why? New York papers, huh? What do you read them for all the time? The news is three days late. That's my business, isn't it? Sure. And maybe the San Francisco sheets don't carry the stuff you're interested in, huh? Well, what are you talking about? Ah, now, don't give me that, Jackie. I know you too well. Who is this guy Cartwright? If you'll get out of here, I'll get ready for my number. Come on, come on. Who is he? Why have you got a whole drawful of clippings on him? How do you know that? <laughs> don't be foolish. I looked... 
if you're frank enough. Why not? Alan Cartwright, a prominent attorney, and son Raymond, vacation at Palm Beach. Son Raymond, vacation at Palm Beach. Alan Cartwright appointed to Supreme Court. Who is he, Jackie? Come on, loosen up. Well, what are you trying to do, shake him down? Get out. A Supreme Court judge, huh? He's a hot number if they got something on him. Did you hear what I said? Get out of here. <coughs> get out. Uh, you see, you get yourself all worked up. You'll be pulling one of those feints of yours in a minute. You want a drink? No. Well, I was just thinking. If you have got something on this bird, you ought to come me in. You know, for old time's sake. Oh, I may be pretty low right now. I may have stepped down pretty far to be working in a place like this and for a man like you. But I haven't reached your level yet. Now get out. All right. That's the way you feel about it. See you outside, Jackie. out and send a wire for me to Joe Harper in New York. Tell him I want some dope on a guy by the name of Alan Cartwright, Supreme Court judge. Okay. And look, yeah. I want to know especially about his wife, see? Who she was and where she is now. Tell him to get everything he can. I'll meet him in New York a week from Saturday. Okay. I got the stuff you left here. Oh, swell. Just what I wanted. No, no, I can't see you now, Joe. Come around to the hotel tomorrow. So long. Who is it? Hello, Tony. Well, if it isn't Jackie. How are you, Jackie? All right. I didn't expect to see you here. Well, they told me you'd gone to New York. So I followed you. Yeah? What for? Just to make sure you didn't try anything that might get you into trouble. Thanks. But I don't need any advice from you, see? I got everything I need, Jackie, and it's a swell story. Is it? You see, I know who you are and who your husband is and your son, too. And what are you planning to do with that information? I'm going to do with it what you didn't have the nerve to do. I'm going to use it. To blackmail him. Oh, no. I'm just going to tell him where his wife is and what she is. Oh, no. You're not. Huh? And who's going to stop me? I am. You're not going to ruin my son's career, Tony. I'm not the type to stand by and see you wreck his life. Yeah? Well, what do you think you're going to do about it? It's very simple. Huh? Put that gun down. You don't scare me. I'm not trying to scare you. You know where you land, don't you? That doesn't worry me. I can't last much longer anyway, so I've got nothing to lose. You have. Sure. Sure, about 10,000 bucks if I let you bluff me out of it, but you can't, see? Because I'm going to see him right now, tonight. I'm not bluffing, I mean it. Stay away from my husband. Get out of my way. I'm warning you, stay away from my husband. I'll show you what I think of you and your warnings. Don't open that door. Well, why don't you shoot? Stay away from that door, I tell you. So long, bluffer. What's the matter? What's happened? He's in there, take that room. Stop. I heard it. What's going on up here? Oh, she killed him. Grab that woman. I'll get the police. Come here, you. Get your hands off me. I didn't. I'm not trying to escape. I killed him. Before going on with Madame X, let's stop a minute in a bright and shining little kitchen near Glendale. Brother Bob is staying overnight with Walter and Sally. Walter has just gone out to put the car up. 
Sally is about to do the dishes while Bob leans against the cupboard near the door. Oh, Lux Flakes. So you use Lux for dishes, too. Indeed I do. No dishpan hands for me. Yeah, that's what Kay says, too. And she ought to know. Remember how she complained last winter about dishwashing making her hands sore? You bet I do. Just about the time you came out here for a visit. Honestly, I didn't believe a girl's hands could look so rough and red. All split around the nails, too. And all because she was using a harsh soap for dishes. Trying to save money, she said. Well, I got her to change to Lux. Honestly, it was almost unbelievable how much better her hands looked in just the short time I was there. She says she finds Lux isn't at all expensive. She sure is proud of her hands now. But I didn't know she had you to thank for it. Not me. It's the makers of Lux she should thank. Lux hasn't any harmful alkali, you know. It gets the dishes clean in no time at all. Look, I'm practically through already, thanks to... To me, as inspiration. But most of all, to Lux. Once again, Mr. DeMille. Anne Harding, James Stewart, and Conway Turl continue in Madame X. Arrested for the murder of Tony Phillips, Jacqueline is taken to police headquarters. In an office of the Homicide Bureau, she sits in the glare of a blinding electric lamp. Two detectives are cross-questioning her. Captain Keene leans close and wraps his hand sharply on the table. Come on, come on, come on. You admit that you killed a man by the name of Tony Phillips? You admit you went to the Hotel Trent for the purpose of shooting him dead? Now, who was he? What was he to you? He was nothing to me. Then why did you kill him? I won't tell you. You must have had a reason. What was it? I won't tell you. All right, sister. But you're making it a lot tougher for yourself. You know that, don't you? You know what'll happen to you, don't you? Yes. Yes, I know what will happen to me. And why don't you come clean? Come on, give us the dope. We're only trying to help you. I have nothing to say. You're waiting for your lawyer, is that it? I have no lawyer. But you're going to have one. No. Uh, no use, Chief. Better send her back till we get a chance to work on this thing. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Murphy. I'm going to give you one more chance, sister. I won't ask you who the man was. I won't ask you why you shot him. All I want to know is one thing. Who are you? What's your name? Where do you come from? Come on, come on. What's your name? You can tell us that, can't you? What's your name? Who are you? Who are you? All right, Murphy. Send her back. Lynn. Yes, sir? Take her back to her cell. This way, sister. Well, that was a nice waste of time. I don't see what you're so worried about, Chief. It's an open and shut case. She walked into a hotel room and drilled a guy. She admits it, even. Yeah, yeah, sure she admits it. But how do you know what she'll admit when she gets on the stand? That's what counts, Murphy. What she says in front of 12 good men and true. You'll say the same thing. She didn't even want a lawyer. Well, the court will take care of that for her. Yeah. They'll appoint someone to represent her. Some kid, probably. Who can't even find his way to the witness chair. Uh, she sure is a sucker for not talking. <laughs> of justice, it is the duty of this court to see that the accused is ably represented by counsel. To that end, and to assure the accused of a just trial in accordance with the laws of this state, the court hereby appoints as counsel for the defendant, Raymond Cartwright. Hello, Dad. Well, come in, Raymond. Well, I've got it. Got what? My first big case. Look me over. <laughs> Good boy. Well, the first one's always the hardest, you know. Yeah, don't I know it. Of course, there's not much glory attached to this one. It's uh, one of those assignments. Oh, well, well, it's a start, Raymond. Well, that's the way I look at it. 
criminal case, I suppose. Yeah, she's charged with murder. Oh, a woman, eh? Mm-hmm. Any evidence? Well, th- that's the whole trouble, you know. It's all evidence. She admits everything. She won't talk about it. Won't even give her name. Oh, yes. I think I read something about it in the papers this morning. What is it the reporters are calling her? Yeah, trust them to give her the name. They're calling her Madame X. That's it, yeah. Well, they've handed you a nice one for your first case. How are you handling it? Well, I haven't decided that yet. Well, you have to get her to talk. Any luck so far? No, I haven't even seen her. She wasn't in the court when I got the assignment. I, I'm seeing her at the tombs at 4 o'clock. I, you know, I, I don't know what I can do for her if she won't give me anything to go on. And, well, if she admits everything now, it's, uh, it's sort of hopeless, I guess. Well, you can't tell. You can admit the murder and still get an acquittal, you know. Temporary insanity. Self-defense. Extenuating circumstances. Oh, it's been done before. Yeah, I know, but... Isn't that sort of drawing a little fire? No, not a bit. You see, justice is a funny thing. There's a district attorney on one side, a counsel for the defense on the other. Your job is to present your client's case in its most favorable light. Just as it's the DA's job to convict her, if possible. If you can dig up any facts that might conceivably influence a jury to vote not guilty, it's your right and your duty to use those facts. A human life depends on it. Depends on you. Yes, I know. It's a big responsibility, isn't it? Yes. Anything I could do to help? Oh, well, no, no, thanks. I'd rather have it myself. I mean, <laughs> of course, we'll go to it. And the best of luck. Thanks, Dan. talk to a better man than the whole homicide squad. How long has she been in here? Ten days. She ought to come to trial pretty soon. No use in delaying on these open and shut cases. Have you questioned her since you brought her in? Every day. She won't talk. She won't even eat. She just sits there and stares at you. It's enough to give a man the creeps. She still won't give her name, huh? No. She says her name is Williams. Laura Williams. But she admits it's a phony. It's only for the records. Here we are. You've got a visitor, sister. Go ahead, son. Thanks. Uh, I'd like to see her alone, of course. Sure. I'll be at the end of the car then. Just yell when you want me. How do you do? What do you want with me? If you've been sent here to question me, you're wasting your time. I've nothing to say. I've told him that. Oh, no. I'm, I'm not an officer. I'm your attorney. I told him I didn't want an attorney. No, but you... You have to have someone to plead your case. You see, that's the law. I I was appointed by the judge. Well? Well, if I'm to represent you, I've got to know something about you. Who you are, where you came from. You'll tell me that, won't you? My name is Laura Williams. No, but that's not your real name. They asked me my name for the records. I told them my name was Laura Williams. That's all I have to say. But I... That's all I have to say. You're not being very fair. You're not being fair to yourself or to me either. You? Yes, I... You see, this is my first case. Oh. That doesn't sound very encouraging, does it? But I I think I can help you. That is, if you're just giving me the chance. Now, I did want to make a showing on this. So if you don't want to do it for yourself, perhaps you'd be willing to help me. You're very young, aren't you? Oh, I'm 24. 24. I had a son. He'd 
be 24 now, too. And he's just... Then he's alive. I didn't say that. I'm sorry. I know it hurts to be reminded when you've lost someone near to you. Have you ever lost anyone? Yes, I... My mother. How? Oh, she died some time ago. Oh. But we were speaking of your son. Now, he's still alive. I'd rather not talk about it. Has he anything to do with the man that was shot? No. Oh, let me alone. Please, just let me alone. But I've got to defend you. I don't want to be defended. I killed that man. I walked into his room at the Hotel Trent and I shot him. Is there anything more to be said? I'm perfectly willing to pay for what I did. But don't you see? There may be no reason why you should pay. That's all I'm trying to find out. Just what the motive was. You see, you, you might have had a good reason to kill him. I did. Where, did he threaten you in any way? No. It wasn't self-defense then? No. Did he threaten anyone near to you? No. Your son, perhaps? No. Why do you keep bringing up my son? Well, it's the only thing I know about That you have or had a son. I, I'm just groping in the dark, that's all, to trying to help you. I, I, you can't blame me for that. It's just my job. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too, that, that this had to be your first case. But you mustn't take it too much to heart. Everything's against you. Nobody expects you to win. Hello, Hotel Trent. What name, please? Just a moment, please. Hello, room service? Hold on a minute. Hello, Hotel Trent. Yes, ma'am. What name, please? Oh, one moment, please. Excuse me. What do you want? <clears throat> uh, the manager said I could speak to you for a minute. Yeah? Take my calls, will you, Francis? Okay. Well? Uh, my name is Raymond Cartwright. Are you the girl that was on the switchboard the night the man was shot in 518? Yeah, why? Now, I want you to think hard and try to remember. Did he receive any calls that night? Yeah, he got a call about 8 o'clock. You're sure? Sure, it was a man called. I remember because it was just a couple of minutes before the fellow was shot. You didn't tell the police? Well, I didn't think it was important, was it? Oh, that's all right, that's all right. Now, look. When that man called, did he mention his name? Now, come on, think hard. Now, come on. Yeah. He said his name was, uh, um, wait a minute now, uh, Harper. Harper, that's what it was, Joe Harper. You're sure of that? Yeah, we always ask what name. And I remember because my boyfriend's name mm -hmm. is Harper, right, and I thought... All right, that's fine, thanks. Huh. Uh, you keep this quiet, will you? Oh, oh, sure. Hello? Yes? Well, what'd you find? Well, now, keep looking. Will you try the city directory? Try anything you can think of. Now, we've got to locate this Joe Harper before we go on trial. All right, all right, thanks. Oh. Any luck, son? Uh, nothing yet. If I could just get this man Harper, I might learn something. I've got two men working on it right now. Well, what about the woman? Have you asked her? She doesn't know him. If she does, she's not saying. I, I can't get her to talk about this case. She's just not interested. They brought her the notice of the trial. She didn't even read it. You know, she doesn't even know my name, and I'm defending. <laughs> when do you go to trial? And Thursday morning. Doesn't leave you much time, does it? I tried a postponement, couldn't get it. You know, Dad, it, it's funny. I... This this thing's got me. Well, that's natural. Your first criminal case? No, no, that's not the reason. I There's just something about that woman. Something I can't explain. You think she's innocent? No. No, but I I have a feeling somehow that that what she did she had a good reason for doing. 
she she was protecting someone. I, I'm sure of it. Well, silence seems a pretty good indication of that. I'd use that point in the summing up, if I were you. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to. I don't know what good it'll do, but it's the only thing I've got to go on so far. She's uh, never given you anything else? No. Except that first day about her son. She talks to me now, though. What about? Oh, about everything except herself. She sort of rambles on as if I weren't there. Every once in a while, I catch a glimpse of something in her life. Something dark and sordid. Something that's been gnawing at her for years. And she's been through hell, that woman. It's in her eyes. But then... Then there's something beautiful there, too. There's something I've got to save if I can. I think you will, son. If you feel like that, I don't think there's anything that can stop you. I'm going to see her once more, just before the trial. I'm, uh, I'm going to ask her if she'll go on the stand. You think there's a chance? Well, I don't know. I can only try. I think I'll be there to watch you, son. You know, I've got a feeling that I'm going to be very proud of you. Whether you win or lose makes no difference. Remember that, my boy. All right. Now, be ready for us in just a few minutes, son. We're just waiting for the judge. You feel all right? I'm all right. I just wish it were over, that's all. Now, before we go out there, I'm going to ask one favor of you. Now, please don't refuse me. What is it? Well... I want you to take the stand. Testify for yourself. No, I can't do that. Now, you won't have to tell them anything. I just I just want that jury to hear you speak. I'm sorry. I don't like to refuse you, but I can't do that. Uh, I'm sorry, too. I've tried to help you. I... Now, don't feel badly about it. There's, there's nothing more you can do for me. I appreciate what you've already done. You've been very kind. You know, you've never even asked my name. Names? They don't matter very much. It's what you are that counts. And you've been kind. Thank you. You don't know what it's meant to have someone to talk to, someone who understands things as you do. I'd have gone mad just waiting there. Tell me, haven't you any friends at all? Oh, I did have one. I think I had everything that a woman could ask for. But I made one mistake, and I threw it all away. And it's so easy to keep on making mistakes once you've started. There's no turning back then. You just go on, step by step, always a little lower, till at last there's nothing left but memories and bitterness and an ache in your heart for what you might have been. They say time heals everything. I don't believe that. I've never been able to forget and never wanted to. That's why I'm glad it's over now. I'll find peace where I'm going. Peace and rest. And I need them so. Come in, please. Thanks. Almost ready. All right, thank you. I'll be right outside here when you want me, Mr. Cartwright. Cartwright? Is, is that your name? Oh, yes, I'm Raymond Cartwright. Oh, God! What is it? Well, why do you stare at me like that? You... You're going to defend me? Oh, yes, yes, of course. Now, that, and that's why I want you to go on the stand, just to tell them... You don't know what you're saying. You don't know what it means. Well, what's the matter? Here, give me your hand. Now, get a hold of yourself, please. It's all right. I'll be all right. Now. <laughs> 
The knowledge that her own son is to defend her seals Jacqueline's lips even tighter than before. We're in the courtroom, where the trial is almost ready to begin. In the enclosure near the judge's bench, Alan Cartwright sits at a long table. Beside him is his old friend, Dr. Chesney, who's come to hear Raymond plead his first case. Has Raymond any kind of a chance at all, Alan? Well, not on the facts alone, Perry. But you make a good showing. He's convinced in some manner that the crime was justifiable. He's got his heart in it. That's always a help. He's a little young to be swaying juries on sentiment alone. Well, we'll see. The court will please rise. The court of general sessions is now in order. The Honorable Gerald M. Darrett presiding. Be seated, please. The case of the people versus Laura Williams. Now, there she is. She's just come in with Raymond. Hmm. He looks worried. I hope he... Good God, Perry. What is it? That woman. Look at her. Who is she, Perry? It does look like... Uh, but she can't be, of it course. Is. It's Jacqueline. Jacqueline Hillen is caught on trial for murder. Sit down, Alan. I've got to speak to her. You can't do that. Not now. Besides, you're not even certain that it is Jacqueline. Not certain. My God. Don't you think I know her face? Haven't I seen it every time I've closed my eyes for the last 20 years? Oh, that you can't do anything. It's too late, man. It's in Raymond's hand now. Her son. Her own son. And he doesn't know. There's nothing to be done now, Alan. Nothing. Here, sit down right over here. Face the bench. Thank you. Feel better now? Yes. The state ready? Ready, Your Honor. Defendant ready? Ready, Your Honor. Proceed with the case, please. The state versus Laura Williams. The defendant is charged with the willful murder of one Tony Phillips. On the night of May 4th, 1937, it is charged with the defendant at the hotel. And these, gentlemen of the jury, are the facts that the state will bring forward. By the defendant's own admission, she committed an act of murder. But the law of this state is such that we cannot force her to testify against herself. Therefore, the state will present its witnesses as rapidly as possible. Witnesses who are at the scene of the crime only a few seconds after its commission. The first witness, a woman who had the adjoining room, will swear to the... It's about eight o'clock. I was alone in my room and I heard a shout. I ran out into the hall and I... In the hall. I didn't hear the shot, but when I got out there, there were about four or five people standing around the door of room 518. They were banging on it. I ran up to the door and tried to find out. And there she was, standing over him with a gun in her hand. The gun was still smoking. She said, I killed him. I'm not trying to escape. I killed him. That's all she'd say. And then I went downstairs to find an officer. I came back to the room. And that, gentlemen is the case as presented by the state. The counsel for the defense has shown no flaw in any of the testimony he's heard, nor has he offered to produce any witnesses to refute this testimony. Your Honor, gentlemen of the jury, the state rests. Oh, please, please, we can't let her just go with that. You've got to speak. You've got to tell me. No, don't say any more. Don't try to defend me. Let them send the jury out now. It can't make any difference, Raymond. Why do you call me Raymond? I don't know. Well, you did it once before, too. I'm sorry. No, please. Please, but you say it as if it had some meaning to you. Do I? Will counsel for the defense present his case, please? No, don't say anything. Please, I've got to. Your Honor, 
Gentlemen of the jury, you have just heard the state's case, and you have heard no denials by the defendant. The defense has no witnesses to present, and I am frank to admit that the defendant, in spite of my counsel, has repeatedly refused to take a stand on her own behalf. Now, this would seem to indicate that she has reason to be afraid, but we must look deeper than that. Now, this woman, gentlemen, whom you see before you, has admitted her guilt openly. She has nothing to lose by testifying. On the contrary, she has only to gain by it. But still, she refuses. Now, there must be some reason for this. And from my conversations with her before this trial opened, I am firmly convinced that she is keeping silent for one purpose and for one purpose only. To protect and shield someone near to her. Someone she loves. Yes, gentlemen, there, there is a mystery surrounding this woman that newspapers have called Madame X. Who is she? Where does she come from? Whom is she shielding? Whom is she protecting? Is it a husband, a daughter, a son? No, don't. She, she told, me, told me she had a son of my age. And she refused to speak any more of him. But he lives. Now, perhaps he faced some great danger. I don't know what, but she knew and she killed to protect him from it. Now, you will say that this is supposition. Well, it is, gentlemen. It is supposition. But our law states that where there is a reasonable doubt of guilt, the defendant must be deemed innocent. Well, there is doubt here. Not, not as to actual fact, but as to motive. And the courts of our state have recognized time after time, case after case, that there is such a thing as justifiable homicide. Let me through here. Let me through. Order, order there. Your Honor. Your Honor, I'd like to speak to the counsel for defense, please. Counsel for defense is summing up his case. This is no time. Your Honor, if the court so pleases, this man is in my employ. Now, if he wants to speak to me now, I assure you it has direct bearing upon the case. Very well. Go ahead. All right, what is it? Joe Harper. I found him. What, is he here now? Sure. I served him with subpoenas and... I've... All right, all right. Now, get him up here quick. Right. Your Honor... Your Honor, I, I ask the court's pardon for this interruption. I also ask the court for permission to introduce a witness for the defense. I object. The counsel has already begun his summation. A human life is at stake here. Objection overruled. Your Honor, I ask the court to call Joseph Harper. Joseph Harper to the stand. Raise your right hand. You solemnly swear that there will be the whole... Gentlemen of the jury, I have never seen this witness. Now, his testimony may act to the advantage of the defendant. It may act to her disadvantage. But regardless of that, I believe he knows something about this case. What's your name? Joseph Harper. Where do you live, please? 618 West 74th Street. Now, I want you to look at the defendant. Have you ever seen her before? No. You, you don't know who she is? No. Now, tell me this. Did you ever know a man by the name of Tony Phillips? Did you? Yeah. Did you call him on the telephone at the Hotel Trent on the night of May the 4th? I guess so. No, no, did you or didn't you answer the question? Yes. Well, why did you call him? Well, he, uh, he asked me to. When was that? Uh, a week before. He, uh, he sent me a telegram. From New York? No, 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 San Francisco. He wanted me to do him a favor. What was that favor? Well, he asked me to get some information for him. What about? Did I have to answer that? What about? Well, it was about a person that he was no, trying to... No, don't answer. Don't answer. Do you hear? No, don't let him do. Take him off the stand. Don't question him anymore. I'll do anything you want. I'll do anything. But please, please don't let him speak for my sake. Please. 
true what you said. I was protecting someone. And it was my son. The man I killed was going to blackmail him and my husband because of me. He was going to wreck my son's life and my husband's career because of what I was and what I am now. That's why I couldn't speak. That's why I can never speak. In God's name, please don't ask me to tell. Don't ask me to give up my life for nothing. I'm not afraid to die if I know that he'll be safe. He's my son. My son whom I've never known and who's never known me. You can take my life as a worthless thing anyway, but please, please let him have his. Well, she's fainted here. Get a doctor, quick. How is she, Penny? Has she come around yet? Not quite. She's in pretty bad shape, Alan. Where's Raymond? I asked him to wait to the corridor. Did you... Did you tell him about Jacqueline? Yes, yes. It wasn't easy, Perry. How did he take it? He wanted to come in to see her. I made him wait for the jury to come back. He'll get an acquittal. It's, it's almost sure. I wonder how much good it will do, Alan. What do you mean? Hmm? Oh. She's hmm. coming, too. Jacqueline. Jacqueline, do you hear me? Alan. Yes, darling. I saw you in the court. I was so afraid you'd tell. I wanted to, Jacqueline. No, no. It's better. Better this way. Much better. I know everything you've done has been for me and Raymond. I, I, I can't tell you. Don't cry. You told me once that I'd never forgive myself for what I did. I never have, Jacqueline. I tried to find you. Oh, so many times. But I'll make it all up to you. I swear I will. I'll make you happy again, Jacqueline. I'm happy now. So very happy. Come here, Raymond. Raymond? Does he know? Yes, I know, Mother. Oh. Oh, Raymond. It's all over, Mother. The jury's come in and they've acquitted you. We can go home now. Home? I only wish I could. But you can. You're going to. Give me your hand, Raymond. My son. All these years I've been so proud of you. And all these years, you thought of me as, as a dream mother who died long ago, when she was young and pretty. Please, try to go on thinking that, for my sake. But I, I've found you, Mother. I, I can't lose you again so quickly. That isn't in our hands, Raymond. Well, I don't know what you mean. Now, you mustn't be sad. And you mustn't think too much about me. Because I'm not sad. I'm happy, Raymond. Happier than I've ever been in all my life. Mother? Mother? Dr. Chesney, what is it? We found her. Too late, my boy.
If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about The Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.